Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Exposition Break podcast. I believe we're at episode 10 here. Um, this is your home for video game news, critiques, and industry analysis. I am Blake Foley, and I am joined by my co-host, Sean Gandert. How are you today, Sean? I'm doing good, and I, I'm glad that after like 10 or so of these episodes, a mistake and that sort of thing makes us just go, you know... Keep going. Keep going. You know, it's fine. I'm going to say analysis it's, it's wrong every time. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, we're we're here. We're recording. You are back in New Mexico, which is exciting. Um, but even with that, we are still recording remotely, which is too bad. But yeah. maybe someday. I remember. I remember not that many months ago being like, "Yeah, I'll be in New Mexico. I'll come over. We can record, play something for an hour, hang out." Those were the good dreams. Those were the good dreams, and now we find ourselves with restrictions being put back on us. But this too shall pass someday. Um, So let's dive right into this recording, though. Um, So let's hop into news real quick. There's just a few items I think are worth talking about since the last time we spoke. Um, Most relevant, um, literally just ended an hour ago, uh, Nintendo did their live stream about uh, Paper Mario. And I'm not so much, I don't so much have just anything to say about that particular stream. Well, I do, but we'll get to that. Um, did, you, did you watch it? I watched some of it. Um, and it was kind of weirdly poorly put together, but. That is weird for Nintendo. Yeah. That's like their thing they're good at is their little Nintendo Directs. Yeah. I mean, it was more, it was a treehouse presentation. So uh, it was okay. those plucky kids that they get together to kind of do stuff out of Seattle. Uh, and, you know, yeah. it's, it, it was a really poorly paced boss fight for the part that I was watching. And, you know, RPG boss fights are rarely interesting. Are you sure that wasn't an accurate representation of the game? Yeah, I mean, it might be. I mean, part the trailer actually looks really cool, but that, that does dovetail nicely into sean you're a huge fan of mario rpg and paper mario has long been kind of the spiritual successor along <laughs> with uh, the superstar all stars whatever series superstar series um of which you you you're not a fan of tell me more about that yeah i played i played the heck out of uh uh the original uh mario rpg the collaboration with square uh, it almost said Square Enix, but no, it was just with Square. And uh, I played that game all the way through probably seven or eight times uh, to the point where I was setting myself like weird uh, special goals. Where it was like beat the game with no items, beat the game with no magic, doing all, the, all that sort of thing. Um, I had a, what is the lowest level I can beat the game at? You can beat that game with the max level of 30 at with some level 11 characters if you really try. You, you were but, a Twitch streamer before you knew it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was one of those things. I, I just, I really loved the world. It had a very um, precisely strange sense of humor and the timing and battle mechanics were crisp. So... I later played Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64 and felt that it tried in every single one of those capacities and failed. Like, I, I don't think it, it, it did well for any of those. I played a bit of the one on the GameCube. Um, I played Super Paper Mario. I, I beat Super Paper Mario and I thought that was an okay game. Mm-hmm, but had the least to do with Mario RPG of any of them. Yeah. yeah. And 
the Mario and Luigi's I've I've never dived into because they mostly look like a slightly more simplified version of Paper Mario, which was already a simplified RPG. Yeah, I mean, I've played a few of those. I've played the Superstar ones, a couple of them, and you know they have their zany sense of humor that is kind of plucked out of Mario RPG, which does have a strange sense of humor. But yeah, the the creativity that I think existed in Mario RPG, which is a game I'll admit I've never actually beat, so I should say that. But um, I should that say game is weird. <laughs> it's weird, and I love it for that. Like, there's some weird, surreal stuff going on, and it it's unique in that way. Whereas the other stuff just is Mario stuff for the most part. Yeah. The, I, it, it, it's, it's, a. this is going to be a really weird analogy because I don't think you watch the show that much, but did you ever see community? Uh, yeah, no, I watched three seasons of it. Well, I think. so after the showrunner left, they did a season made by other people mm-hmm. and same characters they understood what the jokes were supposed to kind of be and everything it is a miserable season it is <laughs> uh it is really really bad and unwatchable uh i can't remember if i reviewed it or not but i, I think i did in any case it, it was on the surface it looked identical you know but the actual thing that it made completely missed the point, and it was a miserable thing. Uh, when the showrunner runner came back, Dan Harmon, to do a final season, they just referred to that as the uh, gas leak season. Oh, nice. and all the characters <laughs> uh, just didn't remember what happened because of the gas leak. <laughs> Did they actually but, put that into the plot? Yes, they wrote that into the plot. Perfect. Perfect. But it is definitely that's kind of how I felt about those. It's like they kind of understood what like they understood what people like. They're like, ah, the humor, the color, whatever. But they didn't understand how to actually achieve it. And I don't think Nintendo knows how to write. Which is hard for an RPG. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like they can do some funny little stuff that exists in a vacuum. But overall, I mean, when was the last time Zelda had a truly good story? I a yeah. link to the past, right? That actually had a little <laughs> complexity to it. Like, yeah, as trust as a fan of Ocarina of Time, I got Majora's Mask was good. Majora's Mask was good. Yeah, Majora's Mask was good. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, for the most part, they have interesting ideas, and then like the actual through lines are usually pretty weak across the board. I mean, they still can't. Every Mario game is still basically the same story, and maybe that's part of the joke. Who knows? But my, I guess my follow up question then, before we move on, is if Nintendo came out tomorrow and said, you know, they're partnering with Square, and you know, maybe they got a few key people back. I don't know if they exist. You know, what that looks like. Would you be excited, <laughs> or what? What do you think your thoughts would be? In general, I'm excited. I'm more excited usually about Nintendo co-productions where they allow someone else to use their uh, use their toys. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the result isn't to everyone's liking, it isn't to my liking, it just tends to lead to a more interesting thing. And one of the reasons why I think Paper Mario to me is not exciting is because um, how different can it be when it's still Paper Mario? Yeah. Like it, it, there, there are some definite, um, 
there's some definite roadblocks with that series, especially when I see Nintendo making it in a way where if I heard that, say, Square was making it um, and were allowed the sort of weird car blanche they were in that case, that I, w- I would say, okay, they can do um, whatever the result here. It probably won't be bland. It might not be good, but it, it won't be... Nintendo is a very polished thing but a lot of what they do is a bland version of that like they have amazing art direction but it but it's not a unique vision you know mm-hmm. and uh even as corporate as squeenix can be like the final fantasy 7 remake as much as it can at times be like oh well that's that's very unoriginal they they made it into a unique kind of controversial project somehow yeah it got my attention and it got your attention when we were mm-hmm. two people that couldn't have given a damn about Res- or final fantasy 7 sorry yeah um, it made me retrospectively more interested in the original and where it's going from here by not playing by the rules mm-hmm. and when has nintendo the last like you mentioned majora's mask majora's mask is still the outlier for zelda it still is the one that didn't play by the rules and it, it's been how many years now yeah no for sure and yeah it, it's an interesting remake in this light of it's it's a remake but also still stands on its own as a separate property is a separate thing a separate piece of art in how not you can't get in i won't get into any spoilers of it but it does manage to make itself stand apart which is a cool way to handle a remake yeah i um i also can't talk about that or the other thing i was going to compare it to with allowed a lot of without a lot of spoilers (laughs) we should move we should move on it's 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 the other thing is something that Blake has not experienced, and he should. So I'm like, hmm. we're going to move on. Okay, It'll be a mystery. Years from now, he'll be like, what was that thing? And I'll be like, I forgot. <laughs> put, Our put conversation a, put a, will be great. Put a note in this notes doc after I leave it and forget <laughs> to ever look at it again, and we'll go back in. All um, right. <laughs> so moving on, um, we'll just jump past that note i have after paper mario and move on to the there was a ps5 event that happened uh he's skipping the also way forward sucks (laughs) note (laughs) i have a vendetta i don't understand people's love for that studio and i'm gonna move on from there because i can't say nice things so there we go i'm sure very nice people work there who really like 2d animated breasts to bounce up and down while a character stands still that that you summed it up. Maybe. Yep. 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 Very nice people. <laughs> yep. Very nice that's people. Part of, that's part of my thing with with Shantae has always been like it's a little kid series that's super sexual. Yeah, super fetishy, and like each game has anyway. Okay, we're getting into it. We're gonna move on. Move on. Um, <laughs> the PS5 event. Uh, you know, I think there was the, the new consoles are coming out. They're going to be powerful. That's you know. not your pc powerful but like normal person powerful. normal power normal person powerful you know (laughs) and with that you know there were a few game reveals um i think the most exciting things for me looking at it well most interesting things worth talking about were demon souls is getting remastered which i think a lot of people saw coming from a long long way away 
And I mean, there, there's a lot we can talk about on that. And, you know, maybe we dive in in depth someday on it, but it is, it's interesting because it's Blue Point doing the remaster work. They're putting it, well, it's a remake. That That's the thing that we need to get into is it, remasters it, it, versus remakes. Like, wh like with what they did with Shadow of the Colossus, mm -hmm. it's a remake. It's yes. not a remaster. Yeah, it is not a remaster. It is not. They they are putting their own touch on Demon Souls. And I, you know, think, I think as a result, one of the big questions that remained unanswered after watching that trailer, because I, I had to watch that trailer, is how much involvement from software has. Mm -hmm. um and one of the things about their shadow of the colossus remaster is that it really radically changed some things but the the story and everything remained the same demon souls is a game that every single from software game i should say has massive amounts that are taken out the they are they're people who are too ambitious they have they have too many ideas, and they always do. Their games have a ton of con content. And that one, um, most notoriously, you go into the central area of it. This isn't really any sort of spoiler, but you start the game in this area. Uh, as soon as you die, you go to this thing called the Nexus, and you see six archways. And you're like, ah, all those lead to a different world. One of the archways is destroyed. Now that was it's kind of a cool touch. You play it and you're like, oh wow, that really like the world building and that is neat. But the actual reason why is they had to cut that entire world out of the game. Um that's just one example of like there's a lot that could be in Demon Souls. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if they want to just use the graphical touch and maybe slightly smooth up the battle mechanics which could use a little bit um yeah feel a little more modern multi-directional rolling and stuff like that yeah that that's the honestly i think the main one i think i think the item system if i recall is a little bit wonky compared with how it was later yeah even individual items had weight like mm. just just healing items and stuff like that so that that's what factored. i remember so yeah. it was like um not getting the fat roll was really difficult yes yeah and like I th it's a bigger topic that i think is worth us talking about at some point but the nature of a remaster versus a remake um part of both of our frustration around the time when the shadow of the colossus uh remake was coming out was that you know people it was not uncommon across games media and all kinds of things for people to call it the definitive version of Mm. shadow of the colossus and it it can't be because it was made by different people and it, that's the same case here with demon souls it cannot be the definitive version because it's made by different people that's like calling the robocop reboot the definitive version <laughs> of robocop <laughs> yeah it's made by different people with a different purpose there are different things going on and uh yeah i from software is always a weird place where you can find out certain things about them but they're japanese developers so certain things are very hidden i would love to know about a lot of the behind the scenes of uh the entire demon souls remake like yeah seems real fascinating and i don't think that we'll get it for a long time if <laughs> ever but uh i don't know it's a weird thing we i guess we could get to this 
later, having just finished Dark Souls 3, one of the appeals to Demon Souls is it's actually pretty short. Um, mm. So I think to myself, ah, I don't really feel like another long Souls game anytime soon. And then I'm like, actually, Demon Souls is like, especially considering that I, I know how to play those games in a way where the first... Uh, the first real level for Demon Souls took me longer than any other part of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like learning how to play a, a Souls game. Uh, without that sort of thing, it's like I could probably get through the first level of Bulletara in like half an hour. Oh, yeah, um, certainly. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, eh, I could actually probably beat through Demon Souls fairly fast. So there's a little bit of appeal to me, and there are certain things that I know I missed. Uh, One main optional boss, for instance, because I didn't know that they existed. I I always look at Souls games, I look at the walkthrough after I finish an area, and sometimes that means that you've completely screwed yourself over with Mm -hmm. certain things. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, you got to the end of the game. What were the things I could have done? Could I go, you know, often... With other games, I'll, I'll learn something and go back. But that one, I was like, nope. <laughs> Screwed myself up there. Oops. Yeah, no, and that was that's, that's a similar experience. And, like, yeah, I don't ever want to say that, like, this Demon's Souls remake is without, without merit or doesn't look interesting. It certainly does. But it is going to be a different project product. I mean, there's screenshot comparisons that have gone out of, like, totally different lighting of areas, different embellishments on areas, which does change the final product especially in a game where the environments are the story the way souls games mm. are yeah i so we'll see but yeah. i actually i went from watching the trailer and going i won't do that to at this point in time i'm kind of like uh when i get a ps5 i'll play it who am i kidding yeah it seems inevitable like same thing with me <laughs> with playing last of us 2 as much as i'm like uh, i'll still play last of us 2 at some point yeah. and it actually sounds like it is with merit at least to experience that um the other thing that they showed during that event was a uh, resident evil 8 trailer which got me really excited for resident evil again in some dumb ways because there are moments in that trailer that i find ridiculous and dumb and they make me really excited um (laughs) there is a werewolf in that trailer which fantastic yeah let's just blur the lines so let's talk about that trailer a little bit because the i think resident evil is something we we should talk about there are two main things i guess for us today and one is resident evil one is uh souls Mm -hmm. and uh touched a little bit of souls we'll go back there but the resident evil trailer um you've talked to me you know you've been replaying resident evil 2's remake resident evil 3's remake uh (laughs) and then you've gone back to resident evil 7 again right yeah so resident evil 7 i bounced off of pretty hard originally um for a variety of reasons not that it ever seemed bad um in fact it to, to be perfectly honest it felt too it felt too different from what i was used to in a resident evil game to make it to to a point that it felt uncomfortable for me um which is actually kind of the neat thing about it um resident evil has not been a scary franchise to me in quite some time so for one of those games to kind of you know put me on edge and freak me out early on it made me actually kind of put it down because it was actually super stressful for me to play um 
and it's it's tonally so different because it is very much more influenced by kind of cabin in the woods style Mm -hmm. horror um and i when it moved on from it i tried it i put it down and didn't really go back to it and then the resident evil 8 trailer came out um at the time i had been replaying or not replaying i'd been playing resident evil 3 remake remake for the first time but the 8 trailer which is a direct sequel to resident evil 7 had so many bonkers cool things in it that i appreciate from resident evil that it made me want to give it a seven a second look um and what i mean by that is one of the things i enjoy about the franchise and resident evil is one of my favorite franchise of games is how silly it can be and seven felt far from silly and mm-hmm. being most of the way through it it is still pretty darn far from silly um it doesn't quite have the there are no great white zombie great white sharks in the basement um <laughs> so. well, it, it was interesting to me so like i played the um i pay, played the teaser for seven and it was very very obvious how much it was influenced by pt like mm-hmm. which is also kind of fascinating just because pt was not a full game but it was also one of the highlight game experiences of the year it came out mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a strange thing so i played that demo and i was like okay this looks like they don't influenced by pt not trying to do the same thing but definitely taking it from there and then everything else i saw from seven was as you said the cabin in the woods um and now with the eight trailer uh it seems like seven was a success, I felt like financially, right? But eight seems like it's going a little bit away from that again. So, yeah, I mean, to say, I guess, what's the let's rewind? So, yeah, as far as seven being, you know, influenced by PT, the development of it and the release of it was close enough to PT that clearly they were working on their own first person thing mm-hmm. in tandem. Like, but the timing of that. They didn't see PT necessarily and go, oh, we should do a first-person Resident Evil. They were clearly working on it, but they definitely were trying to take advantage of PT's uh, popularity in their release and what they focused on. And that first hour uh, demo that they mm-hmm. released was was very much the most PT-esque thing that that exists in that game. And that was the part that I kind of kept playing and then bouncing off of because while it's not at the caliber of pt's you know craft Mm -hmm. it still was super stressful in the prospect of playing some you know playing pt for 10 hours um, (laughs) isn't that appealing to me as well crafted as that is um (laughs) no part of what is pt is interesting is that it is um what i would almost love for that to have been and i I, you know the rumors that kojima is working on a uh essentially uh the heir to that Mm -hmm. Um, or some of the rumors that he's actually working on silent hill yeah there's a the general sense is that he's working on a horror game that may or may not be silent hill at the very least it's related to what he was trying I kind of would love it to be like almost an episodic thing, you know, like five episodes of PT length, you know, that that would be Uh, awesome because it is an intense enough experience where it's like, um, 
I could do that once a week. I can't play that five nights a week. That just that just does not sound fun. No, definitely not. And that was my concern with seven for a long time. So yeah, seven largely takes place in this house um, in the swamp in Louisiana. I don't actually fully recall because that all happened at the very beginning of the game but um it in many ways it is a return to resident evil's roots in resident evil one where it is very much kind of a slower paced thing uh ammo is very scarce because after resident evil 3 um resident evil got more actiony and got even more silly um so it's it's it is a throwback in that way it eventually leaves that area and starts getting into some grander you know i'm right now spoiler alert but right now i'm on a giant uh ocean ship um doing stuff there so mm-hmm. for people that have played the beginning of that try and link how that might happen it's an interesting one um do you do you like the grandness of like what so i just started resident evil 2 remake and one of the things that i'm enjoying about it is that it feels smaller yeah i mean i i like it at its most when it is smaller because at at its smallest it is their adventure slash metroidvanias um to the remake and the original they're very much metroidvanias with you know find the right key item to re to unlock this door to open up more paths etc and you know and two the one you're playing now you're in a police station which can't Mm -hmm. be that big um (laughs) resident evil one was the same way resident evil 3 started getting a little more linear but it had some of that resident evil 3 was actually more of an action game but it still had Mm -hmm. some elements in that but once you reached four you were pretty much just moving from one area to the next killing enemies moving to to the next area killing enemies all that kind of stuff um gameplay wise i definitely enjoy that kind of pacing of okay i've got this i need to go back to this area and open this and maybe there's some new enemies on the along the way maybe there aren't it depends on you know i don't know to me to me i like uh, my aesthetics and like what i prefer for games is and this is part of my love for pt is like i love having a smaller tighter thing mm-hmm. than running through a bunch of spaces that i don't pay that much attention to yeah. so already i haven't played much of uh two remake but the sense of place is very real going back to these places and paying attention to details and there are a lot of details to that building and that's what i'm i'm getting at it like exactly that that police station on the one hand makes no sense Mm -hmm. but at the other hand it's an incredibly well realized nonsensical building exactly i mean it it has thought put into it it does feel like a real place even though the doors are locked with weird crests (laughs) you know like there's an arcane elevator that you need three crests to go down to the parking garage in you know things like that that's not a spoiler which is true admittedly of most police stations but you usually don't see it in games no (laughs) true true they they really did their research on it and figured it out um but yeah no it is that sense of place and i'm also i'm playing a lot of resident evil right now um you know i re i played resident evil 3 remake which uh got kind of a bad rap and i can see why but i still really enjoyed it i think the biggest the toughest thing is it's not worth 60 dollars. it's relatively short 
um, compared to what you, people are used to getting out of a Resident Evil 2 game. But having gotten it on sale, I was perfectly happy with the value proposition of it and really enjoyed it. Um, from there, I rolled into Resident Evil 7 and hit the same wall that I had hit previously with it and put it down and then played through most of Resident Evil 2 Remake again and then repicked up Resident Evil 7 um, after having seen the Resident Evil 8 trailer and really really enjoyed that even though the scope of resident evil 8 looks huge it it hits the other marks of resident evil that i've come to enjoy over time which is the silliness the now there's werewolves there's this extremely eccentric lady that's talking you know and then chris redfield showing up at the end looking like a giant refrigerator and i mean i i did see those images because the internet was all full of them and i i I like that he became like a, a bear of a man somehow. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Chris has a weird history throughout the franchise of being redesigned constantly. His eye color changes, his physique changes. In Resident Evil 7, I haven't gotten to him yet in 7, but he shows up there and just looks like a totally different person. Um, I, it's a funny thing. I don't know. There isn't anything quite like video game franchises and in, in other things where where like the something will be reimagined so fundamentally from one to the next Mm -hmm. and uh i'm happy for resident evil after six i felt like it should just be done and then they kept reimagining it yeah i mean they they kept it relevant by doing the thing that you know for instance square does with final fantasy it's just just like there's no reason for this to be the same. And you just mentioned another part of that I had forgotten about my general apathy towards seven, which was Resident Evil six. Um, <laughs> that game was a mess um, on so, so many levels. It was all of the game like that. That, that game is huge and massive and expensive mm-hmm. and bad. <laughs> it's yeah. it, it it is something it has so many quick time events it has so many just the move just so many things about it they, they were trying to make a modern action game and just fell flat on their faces with it and I've, I've actually messed with it recently just to try and get a you know memory of what it was like and yeah it still just feels just terrible so yeah you'd mentioned so we tried playing that together uh co-op um because we'd beaten resident evil 5 together and uh didn't finish it Mm-mm. just it got real frustrated and also it was always like it felt like a mess however there's certain things i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna say the type of game that the original resident evils were doesn't make sense for co-op um they're slow Mm-hmm. They're kind of you need to think about the environment and what you want to do and make make that sort of decision and uh, trying to hybridize that with a really fast action seems like a recipe for failure. Yeah, and and it was and Capcom has tried many times over the years to make multiplayer Resident Evil. Um, they tried it with the uh, Resident Evil online games on PS2. Um, which were interesting in their own right, but um, not noteworthy in the grand scheme. And then, yeah, five was the one where they really kind of went headfirst into co-op. And it's a divisive game. People love it. People hate it. 
Um, I think I think it's a lot of fun with many, many problems, but that one largely is a good game and worth playing through to the point where if you said to me, hey, let's replay, you know, Resident Evil 5 mm-hmm. again, I'd go, yeah, let's do that because it is fun. Um, six, however, seem to be struggling with modern sensibilities and how do we modernize this franchise? Because if you remember, Resident Evil 5 still controlled in a very old way. Um, it was still you couldn't move while aiming which is kind of the biggest thing about those older resident evil games so that leads to a very deliberate kind of gameplay that hasn't aged well especially after dead space and things kind of took the resident evil 4 formula and modernized it and they tried to then take their own spin on it with six and it was just it didn't work but they have found that kind of third person action formula with the resident evil 2 remake that you're playing now I'm going to say that if you want to play co-op Resident Evil, you should play House of the Dead. <laughs> there are light gun games in the Resident Evil universe, though. I have played one of them, okay. actually, and uh, it was fine. Yeah, totally. Fine. They're fine. They're on Wii. They're 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 yep. an all right time. You get to swing a knife at things. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah and that's kind of the you know resident evil i think maybe at some point like when you're done with two here maybe it's worth getting into kind of a bigger conversation about the franchise as a whole but could you give me a lore rundown oh yes i'd have to refresh on a few things but man the birkins and all that kind of stuff and i'm I'm, okay so so we might maybe after i finish two we can uh do an episode talking about that and also um get it get into some serious serious lore a franchise can... spoiler cast for you yeah with the spoilers on the whole thing okay um, about tales of leon going to rescue the president's daughter from spain that sounds awful i want to know much more <laughs> great all right so let's let's move on to our primary topic uh you have finished dark souls 3 and its dlc and therefore have finished the dark souls trilogy I, I I should put the caveat that I have I quit playing the so I, I think I think I can't remember if I mentioned this I finished playing the expansion content but I did not beat it okay and uh, I will say I the previously like i I tend to be okay at fairly hard souls content but before talking about too much else the dark souls 3 expansion is crazily difficult okay good to know (laughs) Um, i have beaten souls expansion content in the past um tends to be harder than main games but that stuff was very 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 unforgiving and i think it was a little bit in a response to people saying parts of dark souls 3 were too easy yeah that's disappointing yeah yeah those i mean sure after so many games parts of 3 may feel easy but uh, yeah i mean we can get into difficulty and the souls thing and difficulty choice and all that kind of stuff but I, i i never i shouldn't say never but i'm usually not a fan of developers caving to fan response in that way it felt like they went uh and said i don't know they 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 pushed the limits of how hard things could be with the expansions um Mm -hmm. i'm talking about uh 
not even just like some of the boss fights. There are some fascinating boss fights in both of the expansion, like three stage where each stage is different, like different complete fights, mm. not just like a one person with different attacks. Uh, and then a four stage fight in the final uh, where they get like a complete health bar each time. They're crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds like stuff that they then eventually rolled into Sekiro. Yeah, and I don't know that that was for the best. And I guess I'll I'll see when I get to Sekiro. But Dark Souls Three was is a weird project because it was both a good culmination of the Souls series, and it also felt a little bit like they didn't really think it needed to be made at all. Okay, I mean. I, I don't know. What's your memory of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can see where that comes from because it does kind of it's a, it's both. Yeah, as you said, a celebration often of um, Dark Souls one. And a little bit of Demon Souls in a weird way. It's kind of oh, there's it, even more of that in the expansion. Oh, actually. cool. OK, there, there's a um, remake of the the old monk fight from uh, Demon Souls. Oh, OK, interesting. Oh. OK, I didn't know that either. So, yeah, it's but I do feel, yeah, there's parts of it that kind of feel like it's just by the numbers, I think. Um, you know, you've got your swamp. OK, we did our swamp. You've got your castle. You know, it's just it does feel samey in some kind of weird ways, which it's one of those cases where it's kind of what they were going for was to kind of send that message of all the stuff is cyclical. All this stuff kind of happens mm. time and time again, but it kind of falls into that same trap of, you know, how parody can also just end up grading because they are ultimately just doing the thing that they're making fun of. Um, and not that they were making fun of their history, but it, it, it hurts the overall product. I think in that way, um, yeah, I feel like one is a better is better as a self-contained thing. Like certainly, if someone were like, because Dark Souls three really ignores a lot of two. Um, if if you were to say, should I go from Dark Souls one to Dark Souls three to finish the story, it'd be like, you could, but you really don't need to. You there don't need to. Um, yeah, and I think I think the kind of ultimate most interesting thing to look at with three is you know how you want to analyze the ending um what ending did you get and this is spoiler territory for anyone that hasn't. so well and this is the other thing there's there's four main endings for dark souls 3 but mm -hmm. then beyond that there's kind of a different ending if you do the expansion stuff Interesting. Um, okay. So the expansion is really, really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, I, I should note here that I didn't play the expansion stuff to completion. Um, it is deeply. Um, so, did you play the first one? A bit of it, not very angel. much. I remember rounding a corner and there was some like angel thing that was shooting spirit uh, missiles. That's at actually me. the second one. Oh, is and it? I understand okay. not beating that. Um, when I was uh, when I decided not to finish that one, uh, the ending stuff is really, really crazy. Um, there's there are essentially um, there are some people you fight earlier on the game that are mini bosses. They are just normal enemies in that part, and you fight like ten of them in a row, mm. and that isn't even remotely close to a bonfire. 
Great. It's, it's, it's kind of like, wow, when I beat these er- this thing earlier, it was a mini boss. I only had to kill once and then it disappeared forever. How many of these? Mm-hmm. Ten. Great. And how many other things? And then I go through the poison swamp and the bonfire is hidden. Oh, God. Anyhow. Okay. Um, but so the Dark Souls ends with kind of there are two main endings i think of for dark souls 3 and then kind of the secret ending that might be considered the good one but there is the original ones that you have in the first one which is to rekindle the flame Mm -hmm. uh and then there's the other thing where you allow the world to go into darkness Mm -hmm. bam those are the original dark souls endings and uh in some ways they don't they're kind of supposed to be the same. They involve the same cycles regardless of what you do. Then there's a third ending, which is I, the one I did and found weird, but basically you take control of the dark and you are like the new lord of, not the lord of fire, the lord of dark, and you're kind of starting a new age mm-hmm. outside of these cycles. Um, yeah, and that... Did you get? That's that's the one I got where basically yeah everyone's kneeling to you as you walk away correct yeah, or, yeah. okay and yeah that's the one that you get for you know uh, what's his name I want to say Yolo but Yolo is not there's his name Yuria Yuria um, and yeah. and the other dude the little hunched over Yol, there's Yol and Yuria Yolo and yeah, yeah Yolo and <laughs> Yuria um, and yeah it's you know that and that whole path is kind of interesting and you end up you know murdering your weird spiritual wife on a sacrificial altar and things get really kind of nuts <laughs> um and some of that and part of this i forgive me if you know because some of this my memory is fuzzy um but you know you kind of go all the way back to the original dark souls lore of mm-hmm. the furtive pygmy and all that kind of stuff which was to my memory um the it was the representation of humanity correct mm-hmm. and yes. you know and that's kind of in the the dark soul was the thing that made him human um and the ending of of three the one that we both got seems to kind of be that signaling of humanity kind of for the first time taking their place okay. at the they take control. Yeah. You know, they, it's no longer going to be the age of these different weird immortals, gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, humanity is going to be the center of the world. Um, so the, the downloadable content is kind of one long story. And it's mostly about a character who's kind of per- seems initially peripheral, but be by the end uh takes center place but you start by going into this another painted world so in the first dark souls there is a painted world um weird reasons for that but it was was kind of an odd part of it Mm -hmm. and it becomes clear that the entire dark souls world is probably within a certain sense also a painted world that they're all just kind of paintings within paintings um a person from this uh, world uh, is needing to go out on a quest to get all of the Dark Soul. And one of the things about the Furtive Pygmy is that 
unlike like the gods he didn't keep it to himself it split the dark soul into all the humans so like everyone has a little bit of it uh you go forward in time far after where dark souls 3 ends and to the actual end of the world to find where uh the actual uh their country of the pygmies and the person who eventually kills them all and collects all the dark souls and you collect them all bring them back to the painter and you're going to make a new world it is very odd and there's also you said you got to the angel did you see some of the um inception style area called the dredges i may have it it's it's very much a blur for me um so i, I don't recall yeah it, it, some of the coolest stuff happens in there, and it, essentially one of the questions that you get with Dark Souls 3 is, why are all these weird worlds colliding? What's causing in that, and what does that look like? Well, if someone didn't like rekindle the fire, it just continues happening. Everything keeps converging crazily, and the dredges is like the ash heap of all the different societies in history. And they're all just kind of crumbling buildings laying on top of each other. You fall through them and all around them, there are castles on their side that you're jumping through. Okay. Um, it is really cool content, but it is also... I don't know. I, I, I think my thing with, with Dark Souls 3 ends up being that... Um, I kind of think the expansion story is more interesting than the main story, and I kind of think that the main story doesn't tell that much that's new. I, I it, it's it's a weird. I have a I have a little bit of trouble because it is not a bad game. No, it's not. But I think you're right. I mean, Dark Souls Three, kind of like I said, is very much just about a like, hey, this shit keeps happening. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, and. I don't feel like the um, there's I mean, definitely inspired parts, but I don't feel like From Software was excited about the project. That could very well be true, and I mean, I think to a point, Dark Souls Three's gameplay, what you're doing moment to moment, is better than Dark Souls Two. I think Dark Souls Two actually has a much better story. Yeah, I I think Dark Souls Two despite the world being kind of stupider there's mm -hmm. the infamous go up in the elevator into a volcano yep. part but uh what i like about dark souls 2 is that um it at least feels like a, like someone else's take on souls mm -hmm. and in hindsight i think it i think it it gets a bad rap for certain things that uh, I think it does well. Three, I think the story is maybe the least interesting of the From Software stories, ex except for like the expansion. Yeah. No, I'm I, with I, you. I didn't find myself reading every item description. Hmm. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that the cool thing about two is that it's telling a story in that world. You know, it's just like, hey, and here's another thing that's happening in a far off land. It isn't necessarily related to one, and that's fine. You know, it's it's telling the story of yeah. like a king that went insane as part of a giant war against giants. That and it's like, okay, cool. Other things happen in this world, and that's you know pretty neat. And then, yeah, then three kind of happens, and I think it's almost two that makes three 
stranger in a lot of ways and that's kind of just like back to okay other stuff happens now it's all converging and all the same stuff's happening again yeah um it's weird because every every from game that i've played has had i I guess it'd be arguable with bloodborne but definitely the actual souls games has had better gameplay than the last Mm -hmm. like i think that i would find it very frustrating to go back to demon souls today after playing dark souls 3 that game is smooth and fluid and it has a ton of options the shield arts and such are or weapon arts and shield arts are really weird and uh like the options for your player and the customizability are amazing at the same time i was less interested in its world than i was in any souls game before it mm-hmm and it's possible that, you know, that's just where I am in my head. But I think it's more that because the game tells you that it's all kind of going through the same motions, I don't feel a need to figure out the mysteries because it's kind of like, who cares? Yeah. And I, I think the other thing worth noting is that Dark Souls 1, the construction of that world is just a master class in yeah. world design. So like the, the something that they don't seem interested in revisiting because it must have been crazy hard to make that world intertwine and connect the way it does that they've largely abandoned it for every game since so even then they're always going to be kind of one step back in that until they try and build something of that level and scale again yeah there's things that can't be i guess they could be but they have not been recaptured despite many games trying to imitate dark souls in different ways including two and three um but yeah i um i played the heck out of the game and i enjoyed it but um i think by telling us that the story is repetition and is rote and that it's only the names that change but you know the players are basic the basic play is all the same yeah it made me not care that much about the lore or that particular world because the game goes out of its way to say it doesn't matter so like, there, yeah there's there's two things that i found well there's there's one thing i found interesting and one thing i just kind of want to get your take on separately but one thing i thought was neat and that's related to the ending that you and i both got is you know it's a weird weird thing so the whole change that they made in three to you no longer go hollow um Mm -hmm. you do the whole cinder thing and the i I don't remember the exact but basically you get to keep your human appearance um after death Mm -hmm. and you know people have joked and criticized and just kind of had fun with the fact that this was in relation to and maybe miyazaki even admitted it but people got grumpy that they'd spend so much time making a character actually said that was why okay (laughs) yeah yeah. there was an interview where miyazaki said uh everyone complained so much that they never that their character was always hollow so i said okay I'll, i'll figure out some other thing mm hmm and he does and so they makes it so okay you're human but then once you start taking those dark signs from uh you're always hollow you're always hollow (laughs) and that's how you get the quote-unquote good ending. i just found that part really funny and interesting that he still was just like but this is the right way deal with it that it's funny that no i i do enjoy that i think um the that mechanic points to 
I don't want to be a person who says that uh, like an artist shouldn't listen to what people are saying, mm-hmm. but at the same time, Dark Souls, the original, feels a lot more pure as far as this is the story I want to tell and this is how I want to tell it. Mm-hmm. And Dark Souls 3 has more, I know you guys are going to want this, eh? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to definitely want a dragon over a bridge, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you two dragons over a bridge. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? And, You're uh, going to get this lady that says, touch the something inside me. Yeah. And, and there, there, there are those things. Um, it's like Havel the Rock. He appears in Dark Souls 3. The lore reasons for why, like I've read different people's explanations, are crazy contorted. <laughs> the actual reason is obvious. Yeah. People fan, people loved him in the first game and they're Fan like, service. okay, we gotta put him we gotta allow people to get his get his armor and stuff. People just love him. Mm-hmm. But that sort of fan service also makes the game feel like it's less less like a um particular vision. It feels more of a product from it it makes like the original Dark Souls is Yes, it's from a company being, and it's you know produced by Bandai and such. But it is an auteur game. Mm-hmm. Dark Souls Three feels like uh, it feels like a franchise game. No, it does, and that kind of led to the question I wanted to ask. Also, is uh, speculation time, which has no real value, but I am curious. You know, with Dark Souls One, do you think? As Miyazaki wrote it, and maybe he has spoken to this, and I don't remember, or I haven't read it, but was dark souls one the way he wrote it a self-contained thing or did he have ideas about that world that extended beyond or did those come after the fact i'm fairly sure that they came after the fact yeah that's the way it having, feels. having yeah i've read through a lot of interviews uh, i've read through both the third edition books and uh way too much on dark souls my wife can attest watch too <laughs> many videos and such but my understanding is that that was like with Demon Souls, that was a self-contained thing. And I'm going to say that the best three from, like, one of the things I like about most from software games is that self-contained that I don't mm. mind a tiny little Easter egg, like, let's say patches. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to say, <laughs> look up the storyline for patches in the uh expansion he okay. is one of the main characters in the expansion content and uh is he like the linchpin he is not but he is one of the few people who survives to the end of the universe okay because of certain reasons that make sense and he still kicks people into holes <laughs> So awesome. it, yeah, he is it's a very interesting things that they actually do with it. Um the culmination is he just kicks God into a hole. <laughs> he would try. <laughs> yeah. No, one of the uh I think one of the interesting things to me about the expansion content was aside from the difficulty, it felt a lot more like um a self-contained thing of them trying to tell a new story. Like, you could completely ignore the main Dark Souls story and just play the two expansion pieces as its own content. 
I really and, wish I could. Yeah. Like, that's a thing I wish I could do is just start a new character and oh, jump, yeah. jump into those. I do have Dark Souls 3 on PC. I was going to say, if you have it on PC, there's nothing stopping you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm trying to figure out, like, how quickly can I get into the uh, DLC content if I... I could, I could run you to the dlc content in like half an hour okay maybe, maybe I, could, that... I could actually get i could actually get you there very fast so maybe that's something that happens at some point this year um yeah maybe we do and... that on our twitch channel um <laughs> oh yeah that's, that's a good idea so yeah. i but like you can actually if you know what you're doing you can run very quickly to the expansion content and from the expansion content um uh, there are two ways to get into the second expansion. One way is to get to like the normal game ending, and then the other way is just to beat the first down, downloadable content, basically. Okay. Because, yeah. It just leads basically, straight into the other one. Basically, what I can do with Dark Souls 3 at this point is totally buff up a character to 200 God. level character and just, you know, yep. check out the. Because it is really interesting. I think the lore in the world is very fascinating in that stuff and the way that it did not connect with me for the main game. Okay. And again, it's because it kept on emphasizing to me, uh, this doesn't matter. It's a repetition. We're all pawns. We're just playing these replaceable parts. Yeah. So like, so I mean, why do I need to care about this particular prince or whatever? And even one of those characters, one of the Lords of Cinder, I mean, actually, I think many, many of the Lords of Cinder, they were called, only one showed up. There were five Lords of Cinder, right? Mm. Anyway, the Lords of Cinder, they were all called to show up to the thing, and like several of them didn't show up because their whole attitude was it like, why bother? Was yeah, kind of only, only one of them shows up, and uh, he has nightmares about the whole linking of the fire thing. Mm. everyone else is like nah i did that i'm good i'm good <laughs> that was, that didn't, didn't help anything right we're still um, doing this crap <laughs> yeah but, but because the other one kind of concerns the end of all worlds you know it's it, it, it's it's kind of a meta story about uh yeah, all Dark Souls worlds and everything and how these worlds come into play, the characters and the people in it mattered a lot more to me. Mm -hmm. And they, I dug a lot more into their lore than I did in, did in the base game because of that emphasis. Like, I, if a game tells me that things are unimportant, then I'm usually like, okay, <laughs> I, I, don't have time to, I don't have time to... Um, and there's a lot, you know, it's a long game. So there are certain things I looked into, you know, I found the Firekeeper in that game very interesting and some of her stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, a lot of the actual uh, kingdom, like it centers around this pontiff and these princes and everything not doing linking. And I was like, I don't know what their deal is. I don't know their particularities about these people. I would have in Dark Souls. Like yeah. I knew that stuff in Dark Souls. Souls and in Dark Souls 2, and I am like a weird encyclopedia about Bloodborne. But with with Dark Souls 3, it was like, oh, the game says it doesn't really matter why, so whatever. It was also strange to me, like the emphasis in Dark Souls 1 on the two serpents. Mm. And like, they're referenced in 3 in weird ways, if I recall. They might be dead. Are they dead? It's unclear. They okay. might be dead. 
because they are so central to Dark Souls. Well, one is extremely central to Dark Souls 1, and the other you may not even ever see. But but actually, they both are really central. Yeah. Like, there are implications that between the two of them, you know, they are... I, I get reminded a little bit... They remind me a little bit of, like, uh, the Book of Job, when Satan and God are making bets mm-hmm. out there and just kind of laughing at everyone, all the mortals. That's how the two serpents feel to me. No, totally. And they seem like they're at that level. And then yeah. just to not have them in three felt very weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, there's there's this weird statue. Is So at the very... The second to last boss of the game, the what the boss that's like the last uh, fire person, kindler, dude, um, you fight him, and then at the back of his arena is a statue of a winged serpent, like one of those things that's really easy to miss. It's a but it's a pretty large statue, hmm. and you're like that seems important. I looked at lore stuff. No one really knows what's going on. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so I, 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 I will say, so again, to me, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and Bloodborne all felt like, um, they all felt like true passion projects. Mm-hmm. Dark Souls Two maybe didn't, but it felt like it, it felt- still felt it not not like an Artur project, but it, it, I felt like it still really cared about. Two, that two felt like the people involved were passionate about it. It just wasn't. They just the, weren't. They yeah. weren't a brilliant person. Yeah, they weren't the original people, and you know they yeah. they put their own spin on it. And I know that it was the you know he took the Dark Souls team to make Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that team who went on to do that. Um, and so, and even yeah, three, like he was kind of maybe made by a genius, but it was, but it really mattered. But three was the time where the main game felt like we have a contract with Bandai, we've got to make this stuff, and this is what a Souls game is made out of. So the other thing, and I've seen interviews that deny this, um, but the thing about three is it felt like it had recycled ideas, their cutting room floor ideas from Bloodborne. Yeah, I, I yeah, I've also seen the denials, but one of the I think one of the most interesting things about the third edition books, um, the second book, uh, it has a section that I wish was so much longer about outsourcing, mm-hmm. and it talks about how with Demon Souls the game was made very much internally, but then when they are moving on, especially from Dark Souls two onward much of the game's assets were made by outsourcing. And you end up wondering about, well, you know, if they are outsourcing to the same people, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing, you know, the people at Tose or whoever were actually making it were like, I don't know, this is a kind of their aesthetic for this. It could be for Bloodborne, it could be Dark Souls, whatever. Just just make a gate. And that's that's fair. And uh, And like, I think that is one of the things about 3 that also feels weird is that... um, you know, reading early interviews or interviews around Demon Souls and Dark Souls, you know, one of the big things about Miyazaki was, you know, artists talking about, you know, coming up with this badass thing that has, you know, five sets of teeth and he would come in and go, cool, but why does it have five sets of teeth? Mm -hmm. And they'd go, uh, and he goes, get rid of the teeth. You know, if something doesn't have a purpose, he, everything to him was supposed to have some kind of purpose, every feature on a monster, all those kinds of things. And some of that started to feel like it went away in three. Yeah, 
I, I agree. In three, there were the things that hit and you go, kind of like, he, they're smart enough to create like an expo post facto explanation. Mm-hmm. You know, in kind of the way it's like, you don't want hollowing? Okay, I'll figure out another thing. Mm-hmm. But like, it didn't feel natural and it didn't feel like that was the, uh, it didn't feel it felt like the mechanic came first and we'll figure out the reason for that later well we really want to have a dragon that looks like this we'll figure out why um why that is later and whatever so that, i think and and it's interesting cuz it's probably i'd say both expansions together is probably 10 to 12 hours mm-hmm. which is like a solid game length oh for sure and and, and it is kind of um that's longer than re2 will probably take you <laughs> so it, it it's an interesting thing because to me it felt like um yeah it felt to me like more so this is the its own unique thing the real and dark it, souls starts here yeah the real dark souls starts in the expansion that's, okay. that's how i show that i'm real legit sweet <laughs> um, so i think one of the questions that i ended up wondering about was uh sekiro did it feel more like a continuation of of the dark souls 3 or did it feel like more of a return to that sort of detail because what i saw looked awesome mm-hmm. but i've only seen I've seen a few things, and then I, I saw you stream it for an hour. Yeah, but I, I have mostly avoided it and just kind of assumed because previous to this, the last thing I played was Bloodborne, which is like um, probably my favorite game. So, <laughs> so, so Sek- I, I, but I worry about Sekiro now. A no, I, I think Sekiro is a bit of a return to form in that you know it feels much more purposeful than three did. Um, the volume of things isn't nearly as high and there there's it's a weird thing because you know dark souls and demon souls and bloodborne communicate so much through item descriptions and that sort of thing and overall Sekiro doesn't have you know a hunt 300 pieces of armor to cram all that stuff into so (laughs) you don't have all of that stuff going on where it's like well this is the you know ring that so-and-so wore on their way to execution blah 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 you know you don't get as much of that but it does feel very deliberate in the story it's telling and it doesn't Mm. seem to have um superfluous that word that I have trouble saying, Surperf- superfluous. <laughs> yeah, superfluous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stuff. For some reason, I have trouble with that one. But anyway, when, when I saw that world, um, I, and yeah, so so I feel like that's that's a goal for me is is for to to help you play it's... the Dark Souls three expansions. But when I saw you playing Sekiro, that was not a world that I had seen before. And it, yeah. didn't, it didn't feel like any other video game, and it wasn't just a generic high fantasy or dark fantasy. And that was one of the things that made me be like, "Oh, this looks sweet." Yeah, and it it, it is. It's it, you know, it has that deliberateness to it. It it is wholly unique. There's nothing that I look at and go, "Well, they just took that out of Dark Souls." Mm-hmm. Um, it's also you know, we were just talking about Dark Souls One's level design. Well, it's not of that cal- caliber. I will say, Sekiro has some great moments where you come over a hill or you land in a new area and you look across a gap and you go oh that's where i was five hours ago 
Mm. And those moments are super cool in that game. And like one of the best things where you just kind of you look over there and you realize how far you've traveled. And it it's pretty neat in that way. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear it um, just because. It, it's yeah, it's weird to say that a game that you spent like 100 hours in was like a disappointment. Especially when it again, it probably had the best actual gameplay of a Souls game I've played. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, games are complex; they have a lot of moving parts. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and disappointing never means bad. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. and it's probably like if I were to tell a person to start Souls stuff, I'd probably say go with Dark Souls Three mm-hmm. because. They simplify a lot of things. Dark, the original Dark Souls is kind of wonky. Like it could, in some ways, use a remastering. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's story is that uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's it's. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's a bad game, but I also am slightly disappointed. Yeah, I mean, much like the, you know, ending of a lot of Dark Souls stuff, it is ambiguous kind of in the end. Um, And yeah, definitely worth playing, but... It didn't make me any less excited for, like, future FromSoft. Mm -hmm. It just made me more... Like, it made me... It made me think a little bit more about the fact that um, there were a handful of FromSoft games that happened to be very like that auteur sort of thing that's very rare, and that maybe like every company, they can't do that with every single thing they put out. Yeah, and especially if they have a contract with Bandai Namco or any of that kind of stuff. And yeah, Sekiro... I think, you know, Bloodborne was being made in partially overlapping two, but also was being made in tandem with three, if mm-hmm. I recall. Yeah, it was. You know, so his attention was split between those two games. Um, but it ends up feeling like, you know, Bloodborne, it's easy to look at Bloodborne and Sekiro and go, you know, they have some unique ideas of how to adapt this formula to mm-hmm. new experiences. And that that is what makes me excited you know for elden ring um looking you know are they going to take a hybrid approach and kind of find some of the spirit of dark souls but some of the spirit of sekiro which has unprecedented mobility and stuff like that for a what is effectively Mm -hmm. a souls game you know it's you've watched me play that (laughs) one of the nicer things about elden ring is um i you know having finally played through dark souls three you know, there was a sense for a little while that there were two, like, they kind of had the thing, the issue of, you know, Call of Duty coming out every year. They were just pumping out so much Souls content. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like that was kind of an issue. You know, there, there was just too much for them to make everything be at that level of quality. It's kind of refreshing how long it's been between Sekiro and seeing anything at all tangible about Elden Ring. What do we know about Elden Ring? A logo, George R. R. Martin, and quote, open world. And hands That's like it. grabbing each other. 
Um, <laughs> it's probably a 30-minute Vati video about it, but that doesn't Oh, I'm mean sure. I'm sure. It doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> that dude's bread and butter is speculation. So um, he does it well. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, yeah. At, at this point. Um, it's. I think the other thing that is interesting, I feel like I'll just real quick, Bloodborne and Sekiro are also admissions of the shortcomings of the soul's the dark souls formula in particular you know something i've long complained about about the souls games even though they're some of my favorites is kind of the you know it's cool that it has all the armor and it has all the weapons and all those things that you're like okay i'm gonna you know i could do this and i can get this spear and i can do it but the most efficient way to play those games is to take your starting weapon in most cases and just keep putting resources into it until it's oh, yeah. godly when you start finding the truly unique cool weapons they are not worth the time a to upgrade them to be useful or b to even learn their nuance unless you're getting super into pvp and i feel like that's another note is you and i have never been super into the, the super into the pvp of yeah souls games i i agree i i mean i've always had that issue with them and so much of the souls like the souls experience to both of us is a game that we play through mm-hmm. and to appreciate those weapons it is a thing there where like it doesn't even start really until dark until new game plus yeah you know it, which is a level of i, I don't know uh it just doesn't uh it still doesn't appeal to me and I see a person with this weapon that I know you got they got from like the last boss in the game and they're fighting me with it and it looks sweet but it's like to master that and up- upgrade that to this level you've played this game another 40 hours 40 hours and like another kind of strange thing about the new game plus kind of loop that people play and you know power to them it's a thing i probably would have done in college when i had way more time and not as much money to buy other games and play them um that is definitely a factor but the other thing is like if i'm going to replay any of those games i'm going to make a new build i'm not going to continue the build i already made if that makes sense. yeah i i totally know i know what you mean and i find it like i mostly would rather play the game from scratch than in new game plus Mm -hmm. you know yep no for sure and that's the way i when i bloodborne's the only one i've played twice out of any of the souls mm-hmm. games from beginning to end and my second playthrough was a arcane build because you don't even realize how viable an arcane <laughs> build is until you know 60 percent through the game oh yeah <laughs> so. no, that, i i thought to myself actually when i finished dark souls 3 that if i were to replay it i would do a poise build because <laughs> it seemed like it would actually be pretty good against a lot of the end game things that I had issue- had difficulties with. I was like, oh, well, what if I just really worked on my poise and had a shield the size of a size of a truck? <laughs> they hit me four times, and then I won. I think that does remind me of like one of my probably most disappointing things about Dark Souls Three. Also, I guess is the I feel like the boss design was closer to that of Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. But the you you're definitely more mobile in Dark Souls 3 than you were in 2 and 1, but you mm-hmm. still don't have the mobility or the uh 
take back your health mechanic of bloodborne to really deal with kind of the trading blows aspect those bosses are a bit designed around i tried using a ring that does it but it didn't give me enough back okay there was a ring that was like uh after an attack you regain some health but it wasn't enough to allow me to go like toe to toe Mm -hmm. and I, i just yeah those bosses didn't feel quite as i mean to be honest fair as dark souls one did i i mean i've mentioned this to you before but i am much less into boss fights than seemingly most of the souls audience Mm -hmm. like i do not have the interest in and this is part of why i didn't finish the uh the every little bit of dark souls 3 is because i do not have a love for doing a 20 minute boss fight and then losing towards the end and then redoing it from scratch. Like yeah. I just, I, that happened to me and I turned off the, the console. I said, well, I'll try it again tomorrow. And if it happens to me again, then, you know, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I, I myself have no reservations about summoning help in those games where some people is like, well, you can't summon help. That's cheating. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> well, but. especially there are certain parts of the game where they're designed around that, too, mm-hmm. the, as well as like character quest lines. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you will not see a lot of the story if you do not summon these NPCs. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. That, that's Dark that's, Souls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 but that's the thing for another day. I, you know, we've gone on for a while. There's one topic I did not want us to miss. I'm happy to, I think we should return to Dark Souls 3 when you've experienced what I think is, yeah, incredibly cool. The best content in Dark Souls 2 and in 3 are the expansion content. Um, mm-hmm. And both, I, that's kind of, disappointing in some ways (laughs) it's yeah it's disappointing and kind of interesting at the same time and i i really i'm really kind of excited or not really kind of i'm very excited about this idea of um playing that stuff on a stream together and just kind of cheating our way through it just so that we can kind of see i I think that that would be fun and uh yeah it's it's a it's a weird thing um I one of the things that I, I'm still disappointed to not be able to play is Derasana, the uh, VR game, because my knowledge of how those short bits, like the expansion content, and uh, I like all of the From Software's expansion content actually, um, makes me feel like their formula is very good in those like five-hour parts rather than like a fifty-hour part. No, and I think I think that's definitely fair. And Bloodborne and Sekiro are both much shorter than Souls mm-hmm. games, and I think they benefit from that for sure. Yeah. So. But uh, I I didn't want us to not touch on uh, the other big part of what you've been playing lately, which is on Twitch. Oh yes. <laughs> so yeah, I've been uh, dabbling and dabbling. I've been putting in a decent amount of time into learning. <laughs> the intricacies of twitch partly academically and partly because i have also just kind of found i enjoy the experience of it so um yeah no i've spun up a twitch channel and i've been kind of very very slowly gathering a very small following streaming resident evil games but it has been interesting and cool to really see the work that goes into 
the whole process. And I've, I've never been one of the people that's looked at YouTubers or Twitch people and gone, man, they're just playing video games. They don't put in any work. No, it's a, it's a ton of work. And the more I've kind of looked at the moving parts, uh, gosh, it, 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 there's so many things and kudos to the people that make it work day in, day out. A hundred bits to those people. A hundred bits to those people. I've I found myself as I've done more things being like I should I should subscribe to this person because they're working their butt off. And I <laughs> and I'll admit in a few cases I have. I'm like, here, here's here's five dollars. Good job. <laughs> so yeah. It it's it's very cool and it's it's a neat avenue to even when you're there, like it's 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 a strange experience because when you are first starting out with it, you're 99% of the time early on, you're going to have no audience, but you kind of sit there and go through the paces as if you do anyway. Um, you're talking to, you know, imaginary people, but you're building that practice of, you know, how to engage with the game. And it, it, it's been fun. And I think Resident Evil has been a fun way. And that's been a big part of also why I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil is there games in my opinion that are tailor-made for that kind of experience if you're new to it because they have the pacing they have the suspense that you can talk about as you're roaming the hallways that has the high points and the low points and the puzzles and it's it's just been really cool overall yeah i i think it's pretty um I think it's pretty interesting to always look at the other side of yeah what that sort of thing entails as a job. I'm always asking Blake uh, numbers for the people he follows if he can get them mm -hmm. um, because yeah it's it's a uh, it's an interesting business to me and the people who do it well I there there is something under. I don't mean Ninja because he does it well, but not in a way I'm like interested in. Mm -hmm. There are people who do it well for their like more niche audience that isn't just screaming stuff that I, I have a lot of appreciation for. <laughs> people, I, I found more interest, you know, I've, as I've been kind of playing, building an audience, looking at what I'd want my channel to be. Um, I've never... I'm not a single game kind of person, so that was never an option. I'd be a person that would play multiple types of things. I wouldn't only play Resident Evil. So I've been looking for those kind of streamers that, you know, play a variety of things and kind of seeing how they develop their craft around that, you know, what kind of personas they build and all that. And, you know, I shouldn't say personas because most of these people, if they're doing it right, they are being themselves. But explaining who they are you and i went through an exercise yesterday or the day before where i was like i was honestly asking you i'm like hey tell me who i am as far as a gamer goes and that led to some interesting insight that actually helped me get my channel description locked mm. in but you know these there's people that are out there every day playing all kinds of stuff and it's there's finding the right avenues and finding the right audiences has been interesting too because it takes all kinds and you know i stream a lot of resident evil so it seems like it makes sense to hop into just any old resident evil stream and you know engage in chat to try and you know just get to know people in there but then there's so many things going on within just that audience that people are looking for all kinds of different things and i quickly found that you know a lot of your you know main resident evil fans only want to watch resident evil and they only want to watch high skill speed runs and all that kind of stuff so it's like how can you pivot into finding people that are looking for 
a more general channel and then you you know look for like-minded streamers and try and you know talk to them about what they're doing and it's 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 an interesting social place and while twitch is of course inherently a social network it took me really engaging with this to really view it as one um and really start to think of it as that yeah as a social network itself you just need to need to get some of the big streamers to start rating your channel and suddenly you know and there's those weird parts of twitch where it's like wait what does that mean and Mm -hmm. then you're like oh well that's actually yeah there's a lot of strange parts that make it into that social network and you start understanding why twitch streamers always know who each other are yeah and it's they it's because it's part of the job yep no totally and that's like one of my main streamers i follow right now is just because you know she was playing a thing with a speedrunner i follow and you know she's more casual fan of resident evil stuff but you know her stuff has turned out to be super cool so it is those kind of connections and yeah it's it's been it's been neat so yeah if you do you know shameless plug if you do want to check out any of it it's uh, echo otter tv i got rid of the underscore uh, on twitch so check that out and sometime soon he'll be doing some dark souls 3 expansion content tba uh, tba we'll probably actually do that on our eb channel but yeah uh, that's the, that's a good idea that's yeah I, th- idea. I think that should be on our eb channel we'll just make sure it's rehosted on my yeah. channel and we'll call it good but no yeah. i think it's but important you're, you're, not enough zombies for your channel that's cool no not enough zombies and you know i don't want to sully it with you and not just kidding (laughs) (laughs) only on quality content only good stuff no but i do think we should also do uh some starcraft soon on my channel so because that's where that one started and that's where that one will stay but we do need to figure (laughs) out a way I'm hopeful that we can get the I want to bring the quality down on my Twitch stream a tiny bit so we can reserve some bandwidth for discord so you can see my screen in more real time. So we're not dealing with that seven second delay of you should click on that. I already did click on that. (laughs) You You should click on that, but he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) So those those fun times, but all right I think it also might help that we're in the same city on the same internet carrier like i can't it's gotta be better than with my old carrier in florida it is it's gotta be but we'll we'll see we'll see all right well on to footnotes i do want to thank everybody for listening you can visit expositionbreak.com for our written content you can follow us on twitter at expositionbreak.com you can follow me as echo otter on twitter no tv on that one uh, you can follow sean as sean gandert on twitter right sean gandert i think yeah, i asked you yeah, last step yeah, yeah probably you know, twitter handles <laughs> um, and send questions or comments to podcast at expositionbreak.com um i want to thank icefields for the use of our themes uh scenic route even though i can't reach him right now he deserves great credit for the music he has made for this podcast well he didn't make it for this podcast but he lets us use it and we really appreciate that um the exhibition break podcast can be found on anchor google play spotify stitcher and itunes and i think maybe even a couple more places that i had never heard of until i looked at our anchor page and saw that we were on them um and that (laughs) wraps up this episode uh look forward to talking to y'all next time where we'll probably talk a lot about resident evil so look forward to that i suspect we would (laughs) sounds good thank you all